morning. Eh, grammar's overrated anyways. You can't stop the creative process. Um, Y'all have one of those people in your life, one of those people that no matter what you're talking about, they got a story. You got one of them? Uh, and, And you ever have someone who, whenever you talk about God, they have a story? Um, that's my mom. Okay. My mom has, um, a story about everything. And like, I don't, I don't mean like you can, you can be sitting with her and she'll take you back to the eighties like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that time when we were here and this happened and this happened, that's my mom. The only thing is she's getting older now and, um, her story, she starts to forget parts, you know what I mean? So now my dad's got to fill in those parts and, and they bounce back and forth. Even better is when my dad starts a story because he's never allowed to finish. <laughs> just, just saying it like it is. Um, she will always finish the story and at some point, inevitably, they'll go, am I telling the story or are you telling the story? And, um, but he has learned over the years to just shut up. Like, but, but my mom, what, what, what impresses me with my mom is whenever we're having a conversation about faith, she can take me back to something in her past that is relevant to this moment of faith that we're talking about right here. And it got me thinking, like if, if time was a ping pong ball and, and just the whole premise of the entire series is that we would, we would straight out of Psalms 90, teach us to number our days, we would capture the value of this moment. That no moments would slip by us. But but if time were a ping pong ball and you roughly get this amount, 948 in your life, in the average lifetime, and, and like my mom, you've spent a few, which if I could dump them all, maybe. Um, just kidding. My mom's not that old. She has about 10 left. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but this idea that, that as, as you live, what was your future becomes your past. What was in front of you now becomes behind you. And how can we live in such a way that we begin to, we begin to capture the moments in, and the psalmist goes on to say that we would gain, that we would learn, that we would, we would get a heart of wisdom, of insight, that, that, that I would see this moment for all of its potential and all that it has. Like that's the whole premise of what we're doing is, is how do we do that? How can I live in the moment? And, and for me, this happened this week, right? Because sometimes I think we preach and it's like, well, you, you, you have to do that. But here's the thing, I don't have to live it. And I want you to know that everybody who steps on the stage is living out what they're speaking. And for me, this became really raw and real this week. On Tuesday, we dropped my daughter off at GCU in Phoenix. Yeah. And, and one of my prayers became, because what I started to notice in my, my life was that I don't have a real good memory of moments. I, we, we had a memorial in here yesterday for a 22-year-old young lady who um, I was asked to do the memories part of, and she was in from seventh grade all the way through high school, was in the youth group with me, and 
Um, I was asked to do the memories part, and, I, and one of the things I noticed was, even though I'd spent hours and hours and hours with her, it wasn't really easy to pull back memories. And so I tar- started talking to somebody else, and they would say something. I'd go, oh, yeah, and, and we'd start to go like that. But, but what it made me do for me this week was go, in my prayer life with God, go, God, I want to feel every single moment with my daughter. I want to be so awake in this moment of dropping her off at college. I want to be so alert to the pain, which be careful what you pray for. I want to be so alert that I never, ever, ever forget this moment, that this moment is marked with me forever because I I believe, I believe we're designed to live in the moments. We're, we're a culture that Everybody's got too much to do and not, they got a ton to do and not enough time to do it. Right? I mean, that's the society we, and I don't think we were designed to live that way. And I think that's why the psalm is so important to go, man, teach us how to be fully here, how to get the most, how to see the most, how to invest the most, and how to live the most in this, this, this moment. And what I started to notice this week is, As you live the moments, they become your past. When I started thinking about my mom, I started going, man, I want to be like that. I want to get to the end of whatever this is and go, go, man, let, let me sit and tell you stories of where God showed up. Let me sit and tell you rich moments to help you in the present. Because your past speaks. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, we will gladly give you one. See someone with a lanyard um, at Connections. They will, they will give you a Bible. Um, if you have a phone, Bible app's phenomenal. Um, but in Psalms, or in 1 Kings 18, which is where we're going to jump in, before that there's a context, right? And the context is this. We've talked about Elijah before. Elijah's a prophet, right? So Elijah's kind of the main character of our story. But Elijah, um, he has lived phenomenal stuff before this moment. He, he shows up and speaks to a king on behalf of God. And, w- and when he speaks to the king, then he runs away and he's by a brook and birds are feeding him. And, um, and he goes from the brook to a, to a widow's house and the oil doesn't run out and that's a killer story. And, and then he comes back and confronts the king and, and the king at that time, Ahab, and he's got all his prophets of Baal and there's 450 of them and one of him and you thought the fight was something last night. Check that out. 450 versus one. And, and it's, it's like this duel, this showdown of, of, okay, we'll see who's God's real. And you got 450 prophets over here and, and they're going to call down fire on this altar and they're calling and calling and cutting themselves and, and trying to do everything they can to get their God to respond. And he doesn't. And, and it's left and Elijah steps up and he's like, man, pour some water on it. Cause that makes sense with fire, but, it's an amazing step of faith, by the way, because they were in a drought. And this was potentially the most valuable thing they had was water. And he says, pour it around it, pour it around it. My God's going to show up. And sure enough, God sends down fire. And this, and then the next step is he takes the 450 and he puts them to death. And this is the next verse after that. And Elijah said to King Ahab, Elijah said, go 
eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. He, he tells Ahab, he goes, he goes, Ahab, go eat and drink. Now, now the land hasn't seen for three and a half years. The land has not, you, you know, that, that, that feeling you get before the rain, there's that smell, you know, that, that it's coming or the wind that comes with it or the sound of thunder or the sound of light. They haven't had any of that for three and a half years. And Elijah goes, I hear, I hear the sound of rain. So, so go, go. He tells Ahab, eat and drink because I hear it. He's standing in the moment and he has faith. But that moment of faith was built somewhere else. If you jump back one chapter to chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, so Elijah speaking to the king again. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at what? My word. So he shows up. First moment we have with him, he shows up to the king and he goes, hey, there's going to be a drought. There, there's not going to be any rain except at my word. Jump forward one more chapter to, to 18.1. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So, so we're now three years in, somewhere in that third year. Go and present yourselves to King Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So, so, so he's standing in the moment now, and he's going, I hear the sound of rain. But that moment was built on what? A word that came from who? The Lord that told him, when you present yourself, I will send rain. Here's something interesting about faith. Your faith in this moment is built on the past. Your faith in this moment is built on the past. Elijah's standing in this moment, and in this moment, his faith is built on in the past. God gave him a word that now in this present He's standing by faith going, I can act this way because of what? What I got over here. And he's actually predicting the future. He's going, I can hear the rain. This idea that, that my present moment, the faith of this present moment, is built on the past is caught in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 17, and, and this passage is talking about salvation, and, and right before it, it's been talking about, man, how can people, how can people believe if they don't, you know, like if a messenger doesn't go and tell them, and it gets down to this point where it goes, faith, faith comes from what? Hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing is always anchored in the past. You can't hear unless there's something to tell you about. You, you, can't, you can't catch faith in this moment unless there's a story over here. And in this context, it's saying, saying very specifically that you can't know Christ. You can't have faith unless somebody comes and tells you Unless somebody comes with the message of Christ, there can't be faith in this moment because faith comes by what? Hearing. That also, flip, flip it around on us, that also means we have 
an immense task in front of us, church. That if we do not speak, then people's faith cannot grow. If we do not speak, right? Because faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. So if we do not speak, people's faith cannot grow. All five of you, cool. (laughs) If we do not speak, then faith cannot grow. It can't. Faith can't grow because faith comes through hearing. And you got to have something to say. You know what's fascinating with the, with the disciples? The disciples were left on the planet, and God didn't go, oh man, Peter, you're going to make a phenomenal church planner. You're going to be my church planner. You're going to go out and blaze a trail and, and, and be that. And oh, John, oh man, man, you're, you're just a love bug. Like you're the disciple of love. Like you're, you're just, you're just going to cuddle up with people and just love on them and hang on them and just, just make sure they know you care. He didn't say that. He tells the disciples, you are my witnesses. He leaves them. What what does a witness do? A witness tells of events. A witness tells of a story. And and so the, the disciples are left on the planet. Why? To tell a story about Jesus. Why? So that faith can grow. Because faith can't grow without message without hearing. That's why my mom's stories are so special. Because when I sit with my mom in the present and I'm wrestling through something of faith, she takes me to a moment in her past to tell me about how God showed up for her. And what she's doing is in the moment, I can go, man, if, if God will do that for my mama, God will do it for that's why community is so important. That's why you need to be in a life group. You need to be in a life group. You know why? Because along the way, you will have moments where you go, man, I don't know what to do. And somebody in that life group will go, I know how you feel. I know where you've been. Let me tell you about how God showed up for me in that situation. I lost my job this week. What do I do? Well, you know what? Back in 75, I lost my job. And let me show you how God actually used that for something else. You see how it works with community? You may be sitting there and going, my marriage is falling apart. And you may have the courage to actually tell someone. And someone in that group goes, you're not the only one. We've been there. And Jesus has put it back together. And all of a sudden in that moment, your faith is now, now bolstered by what God has done in their past. In your present, now it's bolstered. See how it works is the past... The past is always where faith is. Here's what I mean. The Bible, right? I grew up thinking this thing was boring. I grew up when I sit and read it, I'm like, man, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Or even worse, I go, I've heard all the stories, right? And so I sit with the Bible and I don't know what to do. This is how revolutionary this idea is, right? That if faith comes by hearing and hearing is always from the past, then maybe this book, what it's really for, is God's just got a whole bunch of stories to prove who he is. So that when you stand in the present moment, and you go, man, I'm just going to stay where I am because I know God is this, then all of a sudden people go, how do you know that? Well, let me tell you about, let me tell you about a man named Elijah. 
Let me tell you what God did for him. He was by a brook and he bought birds to feed him. I think he can figure out how to get food to my house today. See how it works? All of a sudden in the present, in the present I'm encouraged because my faith has grown from where? The past. I am blown away that the statistic is six months, six ping pong balls are spent reading our Bibles. Maybe that's why in the moment I don't have faith because I don't have any stories to go back to to stand on today. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing and the message is heard through the word of Christ, about Christ. And, and I, I, I know this passage is talking about salvation. I want to blow it a little bit bigger that I would say all of faith comes by hearing. Man, whether that's me reading it, whether that's me listening to some music that was designed with a message for me to catch, whether, like, whether it's conversation, like, I believe that all faith, if you're struggling in your faith today, then the best thing I got for you is start finding people who have a history of faith, start getting into the Word of God, and start listening to stuff that will bolster where you are and tell you about who this God is. You know what's fascinating? Exodus chapter 34, you don't have to turn it. Exodus chapter 34, right? Moses is having this conversation with God, and God's going to pass by, and, and God tells Moses what he's like. You know what's fascinating with that? He doesn't go, hey, Moses, I'm all-powerful. You know why? Because Moses can open his eyes and see what God's created. We pretty much know he's all-powerful, right? He comes to Moses, and he goes, Moses, I'm compassionate, and I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. Like, like, I'm unfailing in my love. And then you know what the rest of the Bible is? Is God showing up and showing off who he is so that in that moment, you can stand with faith. So in that moment, as Moses moves forward, his faith is what? God is compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's unfailing in love. All of a sudden, Moses has a confidence and a faith. Why? Because he heard something that bolstered his present that moved him to the future. There's another verse in Hebrews chapter 11 that talks about, now faith is confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith, this moment as it's built on the past, this moment is built here on what I've heard. And as it's built, it actually gives me hope for, it moves me into the future. Like, if you think about hope for a second, right? You can't hope in the past. Here's what I mean. I can't hope that my breakfast was good yesterday. Right? It doesn't work that way. I can't hope that I lost 10 pounds yesterday. I can only hope into the future and what it tells me is and by the way that word hope is that you can have certain confidence certain confidence that i can stand in the present and have certain confidence of things there why because i'm standing by faith and faith is the confidence of that certain forward faith is anchored in the past it's built on the past but it pushes me forward back to king's 1 Kings 18.42. So we left, we left Ahab. He's going, man, I can hear, I can hear rain. I can hear rain. It's coming. Go eat. And then he goes, so Ahab, Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Next verse. 
Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. So, so he goes, I hear rain. And then the next thing you see is you see Ahab on the mountain, or sorry, Elijah on the mountain, and he, he's sitting there in a posture of worship. And as he's on the, in this posture of worship, what begins to happen is he tells his servant, he goes, hey, 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 go look towards the sea. Go tell me what you see, because I hear rain. And the servant's like, oh, okay. And the servant goes out, comes back. There's nothing there. Well, we could go again. Okay. There's still nothing there. See, what's interesting is Elijah has in the present, Elijah's faith is in what? God had told him something. When you show up and present yourself to who? Ahab, I will make it rain. So in this moment, Elijah already hears the rain, which is future, but it's anchored in the word of the Lord that came in the past. So his faith in this moment is actually built on the past, but it's pointing him to the future. So it gives him the confidence in the moment to say, go look again. Man, I've done this three times. Yeah, there's nothing there, man. Well, go again. Still nothing there. Reality is most of us live between, you can pick your day, pick your time, right? It's between maybe six and seven or five and seven or three and seven. Like, like that's where we live. Where we know this, we know this because because God gave us a word and we're standing by faith on that word. But the problem is sight hasn't caught up to the faith of hearing yet because the faith of hearing always precedes the faith of sight. And so in this moment, like I, I may not I may not see it, but I know and I can count on it. Why? Because because in this moment I've heard from the Lord. Can I tell you that when we stood here yesterday and we we're talking about Krista, that then talking about her, her life and passing away, we could with confidence say that we know where she is. Like there's not a glimmer of worry or a glimmer of why because the faith for that moment to stand comes from a book that does not lie because it comes from a God who is truth. It comes from a book that is clear about it actually says don't grieve without hope. Why? Because in this moment, you can stand by faith on what is true. You know what's crazy, though? Yesterday is the past. Today's a new moment. See, how it works now is there's a story to tell that bolsters your faith in the present. Why? How do I know? How do I know without a shadow of a doubt standing here today that Krista is with her Savior? Because the next verse after hope talks about how Jesus died for her. Why? So that she would be with him. It's clear. So with confidence, I can stand here. But you know what? That moment's gone. It's a new moment. See, how this works is these moments, the way I stand by faith now becomes the foundation, the past, that I stand on with confidence to move where? Into the future. And so now in this moment with, with Elijah, Elijah's still prostrate, and, and in this moment now as, as 
He sends his servant again. We're on time six, and the servant's going, man, I'm so tired of looking out there. Man, there's nothing. And he goes, go look again. By the way, number seven in the Bible is always completion. God was completing something in this story. He was proving that he was the God above all other gods. And he goes and looks, and this is what it says. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Hitch up your chariot. It's coming. It's coming. It's the faith in the moment built on the word of the Lord from the past that allows him to chase the future. And this is coming full circle for me, okay? So here's what I mean. Because I'm learning this applies to everything about God. Every step of faith. So I'm standing in a college room this week watching my daughter unpack. And I got a million thoughts in my head. But the one that stood out was this, God, I know you are faithful. You're faithful. And I know you'll be faithful to my baby girl. And then I found myself like, how do I know, how do I know God's faithful? Well, he showed up for Elijah. He showed up for Moses. Man, when he, he parted the Jordan and they crossed and then they put rocks. Why? So when they put rocks down, when they got to the other side and their kids saw it, they went, man, do you know what those rocks are for? That was when we walked on dry land and their kids looked at it and went, how can you walk on dry land? Because God did it. You see, God is faithful. How do I know? Because he's got a track record. How do I know the track record? Because it's in the book. How do I know the track record? Because my mama's life tells me he's faithful. And I got good news for you. God is faithful and you're not enough. Like you're not special enough that he's going to ruin it on you. God is going to be faithful. Because he is faithful. It's his character. And so we stand by faith today. I can stand in a dorm room and hand my baby off and go, God will be faithful to her. Man, God is love. Really? How do you know that? Because my life hasn't been anything. Well, let me, let me tell you about a man who, it's about a man who showed up on the planet. And it's crazy. He was born of a virgin. Like that's, that's already like quote worthy, you know what I mean? He was born of a virgin and he lived a very normal life. And then he started to talk and started to say stuff like that he was here to bring life. That he was here to seek and save what had been lost. And when you really started to understand what he was saying, he was actually saying that, that humanity is lost in terms of God. And so he started to talk about how he was going to go to a cross. And when they started to ask him, he started to use words like love. Because I love him. And then he began to take this, this concept of what he talked about and he began to walk it out. And, then, and as they took Jesus' hands and they, they put one on this side and one on that side, and did you know that he did that willfully for you? They didn't have to force him. He stretched out his hands because he was sending a message to you that he knew you would need today. 
that the God of heaven loves you. I don't know what God you've been presented with. I don't know what angry version of God you've been given, but I need you to hear today. If you catch nothing else, catch this. God loves you immensely. He's crazy about you. So crazy that he would let them beat him, hang him on a tree, bleed him out, so that he could demonstrate once and for all that you are loved by heaven. And as he was dying, like, like the Bible came resonating back into words that were caught by his people, and they started to explain that when, when his blood was shed, you were actually forgiven. Did you know that, like, if you're sitting here and you're like, you, John, you don't know what I've done, I know what he did. And what he did is he died so that you wouldn't, so that you could be forgiven once and for all. And so God declares over you today, because of Jesus, you are forgiven. The worst thing you got, he exchanged it. He exchanged it. He took your worst and gave you his best. He uses words over you like justified. What that means is you were guilty and then he declared you justified. He declared you free. Because Jesus had a statement to make. He wanted you to know today that you are loved. That your sin, the thing that separates you, right? The Bible talks about how our wrongs separate us from, from God. That he wasn't okay with that. So God himself comes and he goes, I'm going to take care of that today. I'm going to take care of that today because why? Because I want a relationship with you forever. So your sin, your sin, he died for today. It's, it's with him. It's on a cross. Why is this so significant? Because some of you, some of you in this room, some of you in this room have yet to put your faith in that story. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Please don't be distracted by him. We're going to sing. But before we do, we have something amazingly important to do in this room today. Because life is too short. And you don't know how many you're going to get. Because some of you need to bolster your faith today. What I mean by that is some of you for the first time need to go, I'm going to trust that story about that man that was on a cross who claimed to be God, who was God. That, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to willfully surrender and put my faith in when he says, he says, I'm saved. I'm saved for all of eternity. I'm going to trust that today. That when he says that, that in this moment, I'm forgiven when, when I have the faith to go, today's my day. Today's my day. I'm putting down a marker. I'm, I'm taking my step of faith. I'm trusting in this story from the past. Today, I'm going to anchor into Jesus. I'm going to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to take control of my life and go, Jesus, I need you to show up. There's a, there's a word Savior, right? How do you know Jesus is Savior? He died to rescue. He died to redeem. He died to save. But the, the, the difference is this. Do you know him as Savior? That comes down to faith. 
comes down to faith in this moment. This is your moment, by the way. Some of you in the room, that word Savior is an interesting one because I don't believe that it's a, like, I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved, but I also believe that some of us have been walking and we get a little off track. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we've fallen into traps of sin and all of a sudden I, th- I care more about this than I do Jesus and, and you just need him to save you again today. Some people call it rededication. You can call it whatever you want. I call it that you need Jesus to rescue you from where you are today because where you are today needs to be a moment of faith. Because there's a whole future ahead of you. We sang a song earlier. And it's called Do It Again. Right? And it's all about like, God, I've seen you show up and I've seen you do that. I need you to do it again. Today, some of you need to go, today's my first moment. Today's my first do it. Today's my first do it. Some of you are going, man, I've seen you do it, but today I need to anchor back into you today. And so I'm going to ask you to do the scariest thing that you could possibly imagine. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to stand. If today is your day that you're going, man, I need to anchor back into Jesus. Today's my day for the first time. Or maybe it's just, man, I've been off track and I need to get back on track today. And so I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do the scariest thing. You're just going to stand where you are. No one's going to make fun of you. No one's going to look at you. Like, we're going to celebrate with you. Because this is a moment where you put down a faith marker that changes everything in front. And so one, on the count of three, you're going to stand. One, Jesus loves you very, very, very much. He proved it. Two, you will never be alone. You will never be alone. This moment will change you forever. Three, if that's you, I need you to stand. Three, if that's you, I need you to stand. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And we're going to sing, church, everybody else up, everybody else up. We're going to sing today. And we're going to sing, God, I've seen you move, and I need you to move again. Others of you that didn't stand, there are things in your life that you need God to be faithful for today. You need him to be loved today. You need grace today. You need mercy today. And I've seen mercy before, and God, I need it again. I need it again. So, God, we're asking, do it again.